my dreams and line them up with you Till I see the world, everything from a different view Take the fear in me and fade it to the background Light a fire, light a fire that will never burn Faces fighting for surrender for now and the after. Yeah, just look around and you see that people are scared to say how they really feel. Oh, we all need a little honesty. Yeah. You
I had your attention. You're all dismissed. Bankrupt. Better luck with your next job. I am not a stranger to the dark. <sighs> this is not the life I promised you. Not even close. Because we don't want your broken parts. Girls, I think I've had an idea. Look out, because here I come. T. Barnum, at your service. I'm putting together a show. And I need a star. Every one of us is special. And nobody is like any one of us. That's the point of my show. Ready? Showtime. I can't just run off and join the circus. Why not? I mean, you clearly have a flair for show business. For show business? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of it. Because I just invented it. Well, good morning, church. As we uh, watching that video of The Greatest Showman, one of the things we wanted to talk about this morning was that you are forgiven, and that's today's message. The second week of our series on The Greatest Shows, you can see on the wall there. September 19th, you are forgiven, so let's keep that in mind as we start worship. Would you please rise?
and good morning to each and every one of you as we gather in God's house to be reminded that we are loved and we are forgiven by a God who sent his son Jesus. We want to especially welcome our guests here. We're glad you're with us. Whether you are in the house or you are online, thanks for coming. We'd like to get to know you, so if you're in the house and want to stop at Next Steps following the service, that would be great. If you are online, you could actually just put a comment in the comment section, that would be great. That'll let us know you're here. Or any of you can text 1C guest to 94,000, and that'll let us know that you're here. Also, uh, we have prayer time coming up in just a little bit. So if you have a prayer you'd like included, you can either put it in the comment section online. You could text 402-242-5051, and that will get uh, to us, and then we'll include it in worship. And also, we're going to have communion, and we serve communion two different ways here. One, um, if you would like to have it where you are seated, we have individual communion sets that you could pick up at the kitchen window in family gathering space, and if you did that, great. If, if you still want to do that during the next song, you could do that. And then uh, for those that would like to do continuous communion, we'll instruct you a little later about how to do that and when we'll do that. Um, also, hopefully on the way in, if you picked up uh, a bulletin, you can get it on the way out if you didn't get it. And it just lists things that are going on in the life of the church. Uh, in fact, uh, next Sunday, we have our new disciple launch. So if you've been coming here and you want to know what we believe and what we teach, uh, you can come to that September 26, uh, 7 to 9 p.m. And then also tonight, right here, Stars Go Dim is going to be in the house. And if you'd like to come, tickets are still available. You can either get them online or you can come and get tickets at the door. Hey, Pastor Jim, I got a snack for you. I figured, what's a circus without some nuts? But he's a nice guy. I'm going to stop there. But anyways. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't go there. Um, so he's really nice. How many of you think I should open this? Yes. Okay. We've got Just don't let the elephants see you eat them. They might because, stampede. Because these are keto friendly, right? Keto yeah. friendly, because that's what in my world. So I want to say thank you for getting this for me. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I got him, didn't I? You are such a clown. Yeah, I thought I'd bring the clown aspect to the circus this morning. Well, is there more to come? 
I don't know. We'll see. As angry as I am about you tricking me with that, I forgive you. Oh, thank you. So get off the stage. Okay. Okay. All right. We're going to worship. Let's uh, lift our praises to our Lord.
Boys and girls, come on up for the kids' message. Find a seat up front here. I have a water trick for you this morning. All right, so come on up front. As you're finding your seat, I'm going to come around and meet you. All right. Well, thanks for coming up. Um, just so you know, you might be in the splash zone. That wasn't the trick. That's just kind of fun to do. The trick is I am actually going to throw the water on you. All right. On the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three. <laughs> that wasn't water, was it? No. I'm not going to do it with the other cup. That was, would be maybe even funnier. <laughs> um, have you ever seen a clown do something like that, boys and girls? Yeah? Clowns like to play pranks, don't they? And jokes and trick people. Do you like clowns? Yeah? No? Some people like clowns, some people don't. You know what? I was going to dress like a clown this morning, but I thought it might freak some people out, so I didn't dress like a clown. Some people don't like clowns. But you know what? Sometimes we do things. Hey, boys and girls, can you pay attention? You know what? Sometimes we do things that maybe aren't funny to other people, don't we? We'll do things that maybe that hurt people's feelings. We sin against people, and that's not funny. And sometimes people do the same thing towards us, don't they? Right? They might laugh at us or make fun of us or say mean things on things that are not funny. But you know what? Jesus came into this world so that we can forgive people and people will forgive us. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, tell us. It says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace you have been saved. Isn't that awesome? That God loves us so much that he sent Jesus into this world so that we can be forgiven of our sins. And as we receive that love and that forgiveness and faith, we have it to share with other people too. And we can forgive other people as well when they do things to us. All right. Do you guys forgive me for tricking you? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. What do you say we pray? All right. We'll fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me as we pray. Heavenly Father... Thank you for sending Jesus to give us forgiveness and to help us forgive others. Amen. All right, boys and girls, thanks for coming up this morning. You can head on back to your seats. thing to give away the last thing on your mind today it always goes to those who don't deserve it's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they cause is just too real it takes everything you have to say the word forgive
Through eyes of grace, the prisoner that it really frees is you. Forgiveness. successful treatment Friday for Nancy and father we pray for continued strength and peace and comfort for her as you heal her by your power in Jesus name 
prayer, Lord, for my son who is in Afghanistan. Keep him safe. Prayers, Lord, for good test results for my biopsy this week. Prayers, Lord, that I'm able to just come to you in prayer this morning and ask that you forgive me for my sins and all the things I've done to hurt others. I pray, Lord, that you give me peace and forgiveness. Amen. Prayers for John, who is in the hospital with COVID. Give healing into his body. Prayers for my back and neck to feel better after a procedure this Tuesday. Prayers for my girlfriend Charlotte and her kids as their house in Norfolk caught on fire last night. Guide them in finding their new home. Prayers for Danny, who's in the hospital with COVID and on a ventilator. Prayers for Kim to help her and her family heal from difficult situations they are facing. Prayers of healing and peace for the simple and Quintana family as they said goodbye to their loved ones this week. Prayers for safe travel and great communication and fun as we go on a vacation with friends and family this week. Father, we just thank you that all the prayers spoken and the ones unspoken on our heart that you know what they are even before we speak them. And Father, we just thank you that uh, as you gave us the gift of forgiveness, help us pass that forgiveness on to others. And Father, we just thank you for that. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Just so if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, normally after the Lord's Prayer we go into communion. I flipped these around on purpose because the sermon is going to set up communion. We're going to talk about forgiveness and then we're going to practice forgiveness. So that's coming in a little bit. Uh, I want to take you on a journey. Uh, you know, for me, Labor Day weekend is a pivotal moment where we shift from summer into fall. Sometimes it's summer to winter and we don't get fall, but just picture what that means. You've gone through the summer thing and now you're going to shift gears. And for some people, summer is a time for trips. I remember during summer going to northern Wisconsin, Lando Lakes. Does anybody, has anybody ever been up to Lando Lakes or Eagle River, Wisconsin? It's a beautiful area up there. And we used to, every single year, go to the same resort on the same lake to go fishing. And I'll tell you, Lake Butte is there. Um, most of it's in Wisconsin. Some of it's actually up in Michigan. So it's, it's a really, really, really big lake with absolutely the best fishing. And we would go up there and we would spend a week or two. And this is the rhythm of the week. 
We get there, we unpack, and we fish. That's what we did. We would get up early in the morning, somewhere around five-ish. We would be on the lake as the sun is coming up, and we would stay on the lake from, we'll say, 5.45 all the way till about one o'clock. We would come in for two hours, and we would go back out again at three o'clock and go till about 8.30, depending on the sun. We did that every single day for a week or two. What a blast. Now, as a little kid, sometimes I was a little antsy, didn't want to be sitting that long, but it was fun. But part of it was, you know, just getting ready for the trip. And we would get in a car and we'd take this car trip all the way up to northern Wisconsin. And when you're a little child, you think you're driving forever to get somewhere. So this past summer, how many of you have taken any kind of trip at all? Raise your hand. Okay. A lot of people have taken some kind of trip. How many took an airplane trip? You got on an airplane, you went from point A to point B. Some of you did airplane. Um, how many of you took a train trip? I love trains, let me tell you. Um, don't get to do that much anymore. How about a, a car trip, automobile trip? How about a motorcycle trip? Looking around, a couple. Okay, I see some hands. How about a Polaris slingshot trip? I just, so you know, I went through one in my mind the other day. I, I pulled into the parking lot and I saw a Polaris slingshot parked by the broken mug. And I walked in and I had this look on my eyes like, I want to see who owns this Polaris slingshot. And then somebody raises his hand like this. And I admitted, I confessed in front of everyone in the, in the broken mug, I am breaking several commandments at this present time. And so the person comes up, introduces himself. He happens to be a priest in Columbus that owns it. And I'm just thinking, Kristen, if a priest could own one, couldn't a pastor? Oh, I, anyway. Um, how about a bicycle trip? Anybody into bicycle and you take a trip, anything? Okay, a couple hands, all right. So you, you've taken a trip. How about a guilt trip? How many of you have taken a guilt trip this past summer? For those of you that haven't, write a book, do a movie, you could maybe work on all of us, because guilt trips kind of happen. And if I, you know, I think about my life, we'll just say, we'll talk married life first, 38 years. There have been many times that I wasn't the kind of husband or father or grandfather or pastor that I should be, and I would feel guilty, and I would do all sorts of things with my guilt that wasn't always healthy or, or good. Or even as a pastor, in my office, over these 32, 33 years, I've had many people who have gone through all sorts of things in trying to deal with guilt. And then they get to this place that says, well, we've tried everything else, let's try the pastor. And then they'll come into my office and they'll share whatever story that they're going through. And I'm, I'm listening to a common theme that is just woven through there. So we're going we're gonna to get at this today. And we're going to have this, and if I can have the um, slides up there, please. Okay. And mine is not working, so I'm going to be going off of here. All right. We're talking about The Greatest Show. This week, we're going to talk about You Are Forgiven. And I'll tell you, this is a, a must-have moment for you and me to move forward in life at all. To be forgiven is vital. 
Now, what does it mean to be forgiven? Um, so I'd like to have the next slide up there, please. This comes from Ephesians chapter 2. Greg shared with it, you know, at the kids' message, he did not know that I had it in mine. I did not know that he had it in his. Um, I just think it's a God thing. It starts out with Paul saying these words, but because of his great love for us. I'm going to stop there. Last week we talked about God's love. It's something that we cannot fully fathom while we're on this earth. We get glimpses of it, little bit of it. And I tried to describe his love almost like it's a fanatical kind of love. He is obsessed with you. He is obsessed with me. He wants to spend all time with you and me. And he would give us anything to show his love for us. And it's just a, it's a, it's a love that is life-changing. Well, now we go to the rest of Ephesians 2, and we're going to see how this love is now poured out in a real way. So here we have, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So to simply say what Ephesians and Paul says to us, the next slide please, you are forgiven. Because he loves us so much, he was willing to pull out all stops to bring forgiveness of sins for people like you and me. And I want you to understand, it's not just the forgiveness of sins, that's a big thing too, but sometimes the guilt that attaches itself to, to sin. And I'll just say, in my life, I battle with that. I know I'm forgiven, but I still feel guilty. And God steps in and says, you know what, I've taken care of all of that. You do not have to bear that with you. Now, where can we see this idea of you are loved and you are forgiven in a very profound way? Luke chapter 23. I mean, all of the Gospels portray this Jesus who came to this earth. But when you focus in on Luke 23, you see a very specific moment in the life of Christ that defines the idea that he loves us and that we're forgiven. Backdrop to Luke 23. Jesus made his way into Jerusalem he was going to celebrate the Passover meal with his disciples. They get into the upper room. He shares the Passover meal. When that's all done, he makes his way out into the Garden of Gethsemane. There we have Jesus having a very emotional, intimate moment with his heavenly Father. He is praying. He is pouring out. I mean, the Bible says that um, his sweat is like sweats of blood. I mean, that's how intense of a prayer time he was having. And, and there was a defining moment where he said, Father, take this cup from me. And then in a nanosecond, he says, but not my will, but your will be done. He knew what was in front of him. He knew what he came to do. He knew that he came to love this world and to forgive this world in a way that we couldn't do it ourselves. So he said, okay, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. And not much time after that, we find a crowd coming closer to Jesus and leading the charge of the crowd is one of his own 12 disciples, 
Judas. Judas comes up and he kisses him on the cheek and says, Rabbi. The soldiers arrest Jesus. They take him off. Take, they, they take him away. And he's going to go through a really a mockery of a trial. It was all fixed. He was going to be beaten and then ultimately put on the cross. But we're going to find here this moment where Jesus is now, he's, he, he has the death sentence. Pilate said, you're going to be crucified. He is now going to make his way from Jerusalem to Golgotha. Golgotha, the place of the skull, used to be on the outside of the walls of Jerusalem, but things changed and the town grew, but, um, but it was an ominous place where anyone there could take a look up there and you could see the, the death that's going on. So Jesus is making his way from Jerusalem to Golgotha, and we have some of these words. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Just a comment here. Why does he tell them not to weep for him? Because what he is doing was actually the will of God and the plan of God. He knew that he came for the purpose to seek and to save the lost, to give his life as a ransom, a payment for sin and for guilt. He knew that's why he was there. So he told those women, don't, don't, don't weep for me. I'm, I'm here for a purpose. So then we go a little further in Luke 23. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And now we get the first words of Jesus on the cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Continued. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. So a lot of things taking place here. One thing I didn't read that happens a little further is the interaction between Jesus and the other thieves on the cross. One of the thieves says, if you're the son of God, take yourself off the cross and us too. But the other thief, knowing that he's getting his, uh, what he should get, I mean, this is the payment for what he had done, he, he, he kind of reproofs the, um, the other soldier, but then turns uh, other um, thief and then looks to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me. Remember what Jesus then said? The sweetest words that could ever be heard by anyone that has walked the face of the earth. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. And with those words, that thief grabbed hold of what Jesus came to do for this world, to take care of sin, to take care of guilt, and to give him a peace that this world cannot give. 
That's how Jesus wants to do it. So in our time together, I'm going to talk about uh, what I do with my guilt. And this comes from personal experience. I'm really good at doing things that I shouldn't do with my guilt. It also comes from experience from some of you that have been in my office and you wrestle with guilt just like I do. We're going to talk about what I do with my guilt and then we're going to talk about what we should do and then what God does. So let's go right away to what do I do with my guilt. Psalm 32, a little backdrop to it, this is a Psalm of David. Picture, if you would, David thinking about his sin with Bathsheba, his sin with Uriah, her husband. Remember, um, he had uh, um, an affair. He had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had sent Uriah to the front lines of a war, and he knew what was going to happen. And he, at one point in that whole journey, was carrying this guilt, the burden. He says these words, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. One of the things that David did, one of the things that I do, one of the things that I've seen you do, is sometimes we bury our guilt. Instead of, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit, doing things in the proper way, we just kind of bury it down and hope that I don't see it or other people see it. I, I liken it to taking garbage and just burying it or taking something that is never going to decompose and burying it and thinking it's going to go away somehow. It doesn't. And if you dig it up again, what happens? It, ha- it has an odor to it, it stinks, and you can't get rid of it. Too many times when we are confronted with our sin and the guilt, we just try to bury it and push it down as far as we can. And it only continues to fester and cause trouble. Second thing that we do, um, story of Adam and Eve. I don't have the entire text, but you could look at Genesis, uh, the creation account. Remember, God made the heavens and the earth. He gets to making Adam and then Eve. He places them in the garden. And it was a beautiful relationship. And God said, enjoy the garden. But one thing, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden because if you eat from it, you're going to die. And you've heard me say this before. I don't think they understood what that really meant because there was no death in the garden yet. But they could probably tell by God's tone on his voice that if they eat from it, it's not going to be good. And so what happens? They eat from the tree. And they're feeling something for the very first time. And their response, partly, is they bury it. They go, instead of going to God and saying, God, we've really messed up here, they go off and hide from God in the garden. But what I want to get at is the second aspect of this is what they did. God comes and finds them. And instead of Adam saying, Yep, I did it, I, you know, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. He says, the woman you gave me, that's the reason I committed this sin. So he was doing the blame game. Not my responsibility. Somebody else made me do it. And when I do that in my life, and maybe you know what that feels like when we want to blame, 
It just keeps coming back. It just keeps coming back until we own up to it. Now, God's response to this whole blame game thing, he cut to the chase. Genesis 3.15, he ultimately says, Adam, Eve, you've got all these issues going on, but you know what? I'm going to send my son. He's going to be your savior. He's going to deal with all of this sin. Don't waste your time blaming. It's not going to work. It's not going to do any good. So burying our guilt doesn't work. Blaming others doesn't work. And now we get to Psalm 38, another Psalm of David. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long I walk around filled with grief. Don't bury it. Don't blame others. And maybe the one that's really painful is when we beat ourselves up. And I can't help but go back about 500 and some years to somebody named Martin Luther. You see, back then the church taught this. In order to deal with sin and in order to deal with the guilt that came with sin, it's what Christ did but what you do that will give you freedom from all of this. So Martin Luther, he acknowledged Christ and all that Christ did, but then he had to figure out what did he have to do to take care of sin and take care of the guilt. And he literally and physically beat himself up. Emotionally, he beat himself up with um, this guilt and turmoil and fear and worry and anxiety. I mean, he just kept doing all of that until he bumped into the book of Romans. And in Romans, he was reminded of what God did in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. And then he realized that all this beating up isn't going to make a difference. So it doesn't work, doesn't work to bury it, it doesn't work to blame, it doesn't work to beat ourselves up. So what does work? So what does God want us to do with our guilt? First John chapter 1, sometimes I share it before we take communion. And I want you to think about this verse in light of communion that is going to come in just a little bit. So let's, let me read this for you. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So John is, is really nailing this. The truth is, everyone sins, and we want to deny that if we want to either bury it, blame, all right, or beat ourselves up, we're only fooling ourselves. It's not going to work. So instead, what he tells us to do is we should admit our sins, accept the responsibilities that come as a result of the sin, because really, when God talks about taking care of our sin, He's talking eternally. Our sin will not be held against us. We can go to heaven because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we might have um, kind of a, a reaction, a response, a, a responsibility because of sin when we do it on this earth. It sometimes comes and it's painful. But God sits there and says, I'm not going to hold it against you regarding heaven. Yeah, you might have the consequence on this earth, but that's nothing compared to the grace I'm going to give you in heaven. So yes, 
Yes, we admit it, we accept it. But then the focus is very clear. Ask for forgiveness. That's how simple it is. And yet, at times, my old Adam, my sinful nature, I think the enemy himself and the world we live in says, it's not that easy. But it is that easy. God has an open ear and an open heart to people like you and me. And I could picture him just his heart breaking when we don't go to him first. When we try to deal with our sin or with our guilt by burying it, by blaming others, or by beating ourselves up. He says, you know, why did I come to this earth? To seek and to save the lost. To take care of your sin so that you can be in heaven forever. I'm going to share with you one last scripture from Colossians chapter 2. I think this summarizes it clearly for us. Paul says, You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins, our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. I've said this many times, God is the only one that has spiritual amnesia. In other words, he says, I'll take your sin as far as the east is from the west, and I will remember them no more. Now, we don't live in that kind of world. People will remember sin. I remember my sin. I remember when people have sinned against me. I get that. But forgiveness comes from the heart of God to people like me and to people like you. He wants to wipe away the sin so we can live with him forever. And that's what this meal is all about. In just a moment, during this next song, you're going to have an opportunity to receive bread and wine or bread and juice, but also the body and blood of Jesus. And if you hear very carefully and closely the words of institution that come from the Bible, it says, take eat, this is my body which is given for you for the forgiveness of sins. And I'll say this, all of the effect of those sins, that's what forgiveness is. He will wipe that away and he desires to take the guilt that comes with it. So when you receive this gift, wholeheartedly believe that he takes your sin upon himself and he goes and went to a cross like this and he says, I've got it. You don't have to carry it anymore. You are forgiven. You are loved. So hear these words. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So now the distribution. Now, if you're going to take communion in your seats where you are seated, and you have the elements, uh, during this song, just take a moment to pray. Think about maybe the sin that 
torments you. And you can boldly say, before you take that bread and wine and body and blood, I am forgiven because of Jesus. Just be assured of that. And as you come forward to receive communion, as you place your hand out like this and we place the bread in your hand or you receive the wine or the juice, it's the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. It's his body. And so when you take it, you walk away clean, totally forgiven. There's no doubt. So may God use this time to speak loudly to our hearts and to our heads about the forgiveness and the grace that comes in Jesus. Amen. Done to you. This is not about where you've been. 
ever had somebody ask you this question how are you feeling I know what your response is sometimes I'll just say the word fine and then move on with it I hope if somebody asks you today how you how you feeling then maybe you would be bold enough to say forgiven loved valued because that's what happened in this meal. He knows what you carry. He knows the burden that you have. And he says, you know, give it to me. Cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. And guilt, guilt is a feeling. And I think the enemy wants to use that in a way that would just keep us separated from God forever. But because of his grace, you are forgiven, and the guilt that accompanies it is taken away. But there's part two of what I want to talk about. And it's not going to be a whole sermon, so you don't have to worry about it. If you've got a football game that you want to watch, the Packers aren't on until tomorrow night, so I have all day till tomorrow. <laughs> but here's the scoop. You cannot give what you do not have. 
I'm going to say it again, and then I'm going to help you understand what that means. You cannot give what you do not have. If there is someone in your life right now that God is telling you you need to forgive, you already have what, it, what you need to do it. We prayed in the Lord's Prayer. You know, how about you? Sometimes I just go through the Lord's Prayer. I'm not thinking of all the petitions. But it says, forgive us our sins as we what? Yeah, forgive those who have sinned against us too. So there's a condition and response. You cannot pull these apart and say, I like one, but I don't like the other. You cannot give what you do not have. So if you're sitting here today, and we're going to take a moment of silence. Some of you know I do not like silence in church if it's not planned. This is planned. I want you to be quiet before God. I want him to speak to you about those people in your life that need what you have. Okay? And this might be a little unearthing moment if you really take it serious. And there may be names of people that from 40 years ago come to mind. Or maybe four days ago, maybe four hours ago that you need to forgive. So let's take this moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start us off in prayer and then I'm going to leave you with your maker, your creator, your savior to do some work in your own heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we, we're amazed at the kind of love you have. One that saw brokenness and, and pain and hurt. One that saw the separation that was between humanity and you. And you would have none of that. You were not going to leave that. So you sent your son Jesus to bring forgiveness of sins and a restoration of our relationship with you. And with the same kind of passion, you also desire that we, your people who have been forgiven, who have received grace on top of grace, you want us to share that forgiveness with others. And so, Lord, in this time of silence, speak to our hearts, our minds, Bring to mind uh, names of people that you are calling us to give what we have, which is your grace and your forgiveness. Heavenly Father, thank you. We pray now also that your Holy Spirit would keep stirring within us a greater desire to take what we have been given and share it with others. And Lord, especially to those 
names of people that you have brought to mind. And I pray that you would just keep pursuing us so that we, your people, forgiven and loved, would share that forgiveness and love with others. Thank you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to share with you a blessing. And remember, this is a blessing that comes from God to people like you and me as we go throughout life on a journey. And I want you to hold these words very carefully as you go out there maybe to share this word of forgiveness and love to people. So let's stand as I share this with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Well, Jesus loves me. Oh, this I know. Well, for the Bible, yeah, it tells me so. Little ones, do I hear belong? Well, they are weak, but Jesus Christ is strong. Well, I know.
soft sun begin to dim. I felt that winter wind blow cold. 